Thank you for joining us for the lessons from First Naz Podcast. Good morning. I am Tim Snyder. As Bill told you, um, I married Cena Johnson out of this church. Actually, Pastor Paul Barber was at our wedding, and we were married up in a little tiny Methodist church in Anatone. And then um, as I was preparing for seminary, uh, we would come and sit in church here, visiting Phil and Betty and uh, my father and mother-in-law, and there would be a cop sitting in the back by the name of Bill Bull when he would come here in uniform. (laughs) That's been a long time ago, hasn't it? So pretty soon then Bill was pastoring the church of Clay Ellum. I was pastoring the church in Wapato, and then from Wapato uh, went to Royal City where we again uh, got to join each other and minister at Pine Low Boys Camp. So you know my son and uh, my daughter and my son-in-law, uh, Danielle and Sam Rice, and my grandson, Augie. So um, I'm going to be very translucent before you today. You know what that is? That's a, that's a rock hounder, hounder's term that you hold your rocks up to the sunlight and the sunlight hits them, and you see all the fragments and the cracks and stuff. That's me. You're going to see all that stuff today. Is that okay? You okay with people being real? All right. So let's talk a little bit about chaplaincy. How in the world would a sane person get involved in that? Good question, right? One day, St. Martin of Tours who lived 316 to 397, met a beggar on a road, and out of compassion for the beggar, tore his cloak in half and gave half to the beggar. St. Martin later had a vision of Christ, and in that vision, St. Martin saw Jesus appear to him wearing the half of the cloak that he tore and gave to the beggar. St. Martin's half of the cloak was preserved and kept in a building they called the chapel. And the person who watched over that cloak and maintained that building became known as the chaplain. Chaplaincy ministry has been around for a long time. And it is ministry outside of the walls of the church. It's ministry to people that the church is not reaching either due to lack of resources, uncomfortableness, or sorry to say, neglect. Told you I was going to be translucent. Fair? We still good? We still friends? Okay. It is ministry to the heroes of society and the worst of society. Chaplaincy means you wade through the yuck and the tears outside of the church in the example of Jesus in order that you might show the light of Jesus to a hurting world. So I work full-time for Washington State Department of Corrections at Coyote Ridge Correction Center One of the meanest criminals you saw up there behind bars was my wife. We were actually on vacation. (laughs) 
So um, anyway, um, it is my privilege to have been married to her for 37 years. And I have learned to be obedient, Bill. <laughs> so I've been at Coyote Ridge for 12 years, and uh, it is the largest prison in the state of Washington. We swapped that title off with the pen at Walla Walla. Um, currently, we have 1,700 incarcerated individuals at Coyote Ridge. That number several years ago was 2,400. Uh, almost our capacity uh, but it is down by 700 uh, to in the last three years due to a change in state law. Coyote Ridge Correction Center also has nearly 700 staff. Over 400 of them are uniformed officers, which it is my privilege to be their chaplain. Chaplain's job in prison is to facilitate religious services in such a way that religious volunteers are recruited from all belief systems, and I mean all belief systems. And the incarcerated are able to use their First Amendment rights, which they did not give up when they were incarcerated. You can't take someone's First Amendment rights from them, away from them in the United States. You can take the right to keep and bear arms when they're incarcerated, but you can't take their First Amendment rights. That's guaranteed. We represent those people in such a way that they use their First Amendment rights, they use that as foundation to change their lives, to reunite with their families, and get out into society changed. That's the purpose of the chaplain and the chapel in the Department of Corrections. Now, you and I know that can only take place through meeting and accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Shake your head this way. Got that? Right. But what that means to the incarcerated is this chaplain arranges services for the Native Americans, the Satanists, the Christians, the Wiccans, the Druids, the Asatru, and any other recognized religion in the United States and specifically the state of Washington. Does not mean I, super, I organize a service. It means I allow them to have a service and organize the room for them. That's the job of the chaplain. Like I said... What kind of an individual gets into this mess, right? So I have a question for you, and it's going to be asked throughout. Do you really believe Jesus loves everybody? Do you believe he could really love a Satanist? I see a couple heads. You bet. Absolutely. Another part of the chaplain's job in prison is to care for the discouraged, the grieving, the divorced, the abandoned, the suicidal, the violent, and those who serve our country's military and have PTSD and acted poorly and placed themselves in prison based on that PTSD. 
You saw on the screen that I have for some time been a crisis negotiator until this year, trying to put back together the pieces after COVID. I had to step away from that. But I was on that team for four years. Best training I've ever taken, hands down. It teaches you to listen to others and to speak wisely and kindly with open-ended questions. Awesome training. The worst part of the job for me is when I hear Jesus crying in the corner when Christians say, you can't save those people, or I couldn't do that. That's the worst part of the job for me. I don't believe Jesus believes in throwaway people. Do you? That's the weakest no I've heard. The Satanists have better no's than that. I don't believe Jesus believes in throwaway people. Do you? Absolutely not. One of the questions the church has to answer, I'm part of the church, been part of the church for a long time, right? Is does Jesus really love everybody? Now, to be very clear with you, I believe Jesus has already answered the question. Now's the time for the church to respond. So I'm going to ask you a couple of questions for you throughout this, and I, I understand that could be personal for some of you. And I just trust me, please. Trust me, okay? How many of you have had a family member or have personally been in jail or prison? Can I see your hands? That's a significant amount. You'll see I'm wearing a uniform today. So I work for the Department of Corrections. That pays my bills. Uh, and I give that money to Cena, as any good husband would do. <laughs> right? Okay. But over for 25 years now, I've been a volunteer law enforcement chaplain in the state of Washington for 22 years with Royal City Police Department, Royal City, Washington, and then um, for 12 years, and also at the same time with Royal City until 2019, I've been a chaplain for the Department of Washington uh, State Patrol, and then the Washington Department of Fish and Wildlife. I just change badges when I go to their scene. It is a fantastic ministry. It is a very needed ministry. Um, this is what I know about law enforcement. They feel unwanted, unappreciated, and rejected right now. True story. I've ridden in cars where men cry. I've ridden, uh, I've, I've sat and talked with troopers that want to quit but they're so close to retirement, they're too scared to quit because they feel disrespected. It's a challenging situation, but this is my volunteer job. And one of the reasons I wanted to speak to you today. For the state patrol, I cover all of District 6. So if you've been to the state of Washington, that includes Moses Lake Detachment, Wenatchee Detachment, Ellensburg Detachment, and Okanagan Detachment, which is a large, large area. For the fish and game, I cover all of Region 2. That goes all, all the way up to the Canadian border and down into Othello and, and beyond. And so if you've ever seen the program Rugged Justice, 
on discovery that followed the Washington State Department of Fish and Wildlife. The Sergeant Jewel they covered all over is now my captain. So I work for a movie star. Um, since I'm a volunteer ministry, I'm not paid, and I raise my own funds for this. So like Bill spoke, of, uh, that's one of the reasons I'm talking to you today. I raise my own funds for, for fuel and for food, to, to add incidents and um, special occasions. Last year, I logged over 4,000 miles on my car for this ministry. Um, with monthly uh, office call-outs and call-outs. Uh, law enforcement appreciation barbecue, you saw some pictures of that. We fed uh, approximately 80 law enforcement officers in Ephrata, Ellensburg, and Wenatchee. Some of that was donated, the food, and we had some other people that gave money to that. Uh, Danielle went with me, and we delivered uh, Christmas goodie trays to the trooper and she uh, troopers, and she was in her... Uh, set up as Miss uh, Wheelchair USA. Um, and that was in Wenatchee and Moses Lake. In addition to that, we responded to the death of an off-duty trooper. We responded to the suicide of a dispatcher's middle school son. We responded to a massive heart attack of a non-uniform employee. We responded to multiple vehicle fatalities. And then the most important probably is we supplied chocolate to dispatchers. And they demand that every month, and it is a life and death situation, mine if I do not supply it. I have one other chaplain that helps me. Her name is Bertie Foat. Her and her husband, Tim, have deep roots and attend the Othello Church of the Nazarene. She is my partner in crime, so to speak. They are very godly, wonderful people and are an amazing blessing to work with. Once again, we are not paid a salary. We pay for our own fuel, all of it. Um, the state patrol provides us a uniform and a bulletproof vest. And yes, chaplains are required to wear bulletproof vests. That's the kind of world we live in. So I've left my contact information with Bill, and he's got that all under control if you want to contribute to this volunteer ministry. Some of the, some of the training I've had is kind of typical to chaplaincy. Of course, I have a Bachelor of Arts degree from Northwest Nazarene University in then a Master of Divinity from Nazarene Theological Seminary. In addition to that, I've graduated from the, the International Conference of Police Chaplains Academy, Washington State Department of Corrections Academy, Fire and Police Academy, Crisis Negotiating Academy, and then we're trained in this thing called CISM, critical, uh, uh, in, uh, International Critical St Stress Foundation, and so we're, we're trained specifically in suicide prevention, response to a crisis, assisting individuals in crisis, uh, group crisis intervention, and a grant, advanced group crisis intervention. That means if somebody dies in a car wreck, it affects people who respond. So we have a debrief. We participate in a debriefing afterwards so that people can uh, alleviate some of the stress in their lives. 
go back over some of the stats very quickly that you saw on the screen. Scene, the screen suicide rates for law enforcement officers increase every year. 51% of prisoners were raised in church. Does that blow your mind? Should. Coyote Ridge Correction Center has over 300 volunteers. May I pick on us, Nazarenes, for a moment? Thank you for that permission. Zero Nazarenes. Is that fair? Told you I was going to be translucent. Um, as a pastor, or a pastor who's no longer in the pulpit and has switched positions, and they consider the prison my parish. Okay, so I'm assigned to the prison. We have a wonderful amount of Nazarene churches in eastern Washington. No Nazarene volunteer. We believe in missions, right? That's fair. One crime against a person in the state of Washington every five minutes. I, I'm not going to go into those crimes because that would be very depressing to you. Um, divorce rates, law enforcement, 70%. Um, in March of this year, there were 1,292 prisoners in 12 prisons in the state of Washington. 45% of those prisoners are aged 26 to 40. One crime in the state of Washington against property every 1.4 minutes. Once again, I'm not going to go into details because that would depress you. Four Department of Corrections employees at Coyote Ridge where we were committed suicide in the last six years. One of them, an officer whose last post was the chapel. My chapel. An average age of a correctional officer is 58 when they die. The average lifespan after retirement is 18 months due to stress. Washington State has 1.38 police officers for every 1,000 residents. National average is 2.33 officers per 1,000 residents. Uh, reported by the FBI, and I got that statistics from the Washington Association of Sheriffs and, and Police Chiefs, um, where I got the next statistic from. In order to meet the national average, we would have to hire immediately 7,400 officers. According to the Association of uh, Sheriffs and Police Chiefs, violent crimes in Washington State have seen an overall increase, even though the murder rate is slightly down, of 12.3%. So do you believe police officers need chaplains and prayers? Shake your head this way. Absolutely. So now we're going to get really, 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 really translucent. I'm going to talk about me. Is that okay? Talked about ministry. Can I talk about me? have some questions to ask you. You think God really loves everyone? John 3.16, really true. 
You believe it, don't you? You practice it? Does a world God uh, love, loves only include people like you and me who come to church and sit in church and we're really well behaved? Or does whoever really mean whoever? That was pretty quiet. You know, the lost, the addicted, the prostitutes, the criminal, the atheist, and even the non-Christian who wears the badge that wrote you that lousy ticket you're so mad about. Right? Let's look at John 3.16. Here we go. You ready? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's one of the cornerstones of the church, isn't it? Let me tell you a story. They were all raised in the church, this family of three boys, the oldest Mark, the middle Paul, and the youngest Timothy. The oldest and the youngest are five years apart. They attended church and children's church and youth group and BBS and church camps. Their mom and dad were heavily involved in the church. Church board members, Sunday school teachers, camp directors. They both accepted Jesus into their heart at the same church camp. The youngest brother on Wednesday, the oldest brother on Friday night. Their mother was a camp director. The oldest brother after school joined the U.S. Navy and was training to work on guided missile systems. The youngest brother always wanted to be a police officer. The oldest brother started making some really bad decisions, hung around the bad people, was absent without leave from the Navy, got arrested. Life began a downward spiral included a life of drugs. He began cooking and selling methamphetamines, carried a 44 Magnum bulldog on him wherever he went, supplied the Gypsy Jokers bikers gang with methamphetamines, skipped from odd job to odd job. During his addiction, he would live in his car and under bridges and in junkyards. His veins were blown out by slamming meth. That means you put a needle straight in, it goes right into your blood veins. Most of the time, his youngest brother, me, didn't know where to find him. When he lived with his parents, his, the, their life was filled with theft and threats and enabling behavior. He had warrants for his arrest and was often arrested. He spent lots of time in jail, but never seemed to change his behavior, although at times he tried. It was always short-lived. So can I ask you a question? Does God really love everybody? Is John 3.16 really true? Does the world God loves only include people like me and you, or does it really mean whoever? You know, the lost, the addicted, the prostitutes, the criminal, the atheist, and even the police officer 
who you know could not be a Christian because he wrote you that ticket and you didn't deserve it because you're a child of God. Does God really love them? The youngest brother always wanted to be a police officer. But the day after Father's Day, that actually that night, 1979, God called him to preach. So after high school, he headed off to Northwest Nazarene College. And after college, he met and married a woman that captured his heart from this very church. But he was disillusioned with the church after college. And he applied for the Canyon County Sheriff's Office in Caldwell, Idaho. Until his wife, gentlemen, be careful who you marry. They may be a strong personality. Until his wife beat some sense into his head and said, literally, Bill Bull, you got to listen to this. Literally, she said, God's talking to me because you're not listening to him. You're supposed to go to seminary. <laughs> so off we went to seminary. And she was 100% correct. I have some scars to prove that. After seminary, we pastored Church of the Nazarene in Wapato and there began ministering to police officers. And that ministry was easy. They didn't want a chaplain, so I started taking them down every week a couple dozen cookies and put it in their break room. Pretty soon, they were stopping by the church office and asking me to pray for them. Really easy how food is a door to things, isn't it? After five years in Wapato, we accepted the call to Royal City Church of the Nazarene. And in Royal City Church of the Nazarene became a, a police chaplain in 1997. I often wondered about my brother. Didn't know where to find him, so I gave up. Then the call came. You know the call. Some of you have received the call. I remember the call. It was 9 o'clock that night. I was at home in the parsonage. The first week of November, I, the youngest son, received a phone call from my parent that a deputy sheriff and the chaplain was in their living room and my oldest brother, Mark, had committed suicide. Got in the car, headed to Lincoln City, Oregon. Arrived at 3.30 in the morning. And I don't remember the trip. All I know is at 3.30 in the morning, I pulled into their house. The week was a blur. There were a lot of pictures and music and trips to the funeral home and a lot of guilt. Question, does God really love everyone? John 3.16, really true? Does the world God love only include people like you and me? Does God love Christians? who have lost hope for others, even their family members. I told you I was going to get personal. I'm not going to apologize. Right? How many of you have a lost loved one? Have a, have a question. Does God really love the addicted and those who commit suicide? Yes, I said, those who commit suicide. 
the prostitute and the atheist and the cop who pulled you over and gave you that ticket. You did deserve it because you're a Christian and you're more convinced than ever that you were racially profiled and it was a speed trap anyway. Praise Jesus. The service concluded. The numbness never left. Drove home Saturday morning thinking, how in the world can I preach tomorrow when I couldn't even hold out hope that God reached out to my own brother? Guilt was heavy. Felt lonely and could not hear the voice of God, but I was, I was driving uh, up the Columbia Gorge on the Oregon side, headed towards Biggs Junction like I had so many times. I looked over on the Washington side of the river and I saw my brother, long hair, flying in the wind, running to meet a Christ who is running to meet him. Immediately I was reminded of Luke 15, 20. But while he was a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him and ran to his son. You know what I know about me? I have no concept of how, God, how big God's love is. Shortly after that, I heard a song which reminds me of what I saw that day. Almighty God, the great I am, immovable rock, omnipotent, powerful, awesome Lord, victorious warrior, commanding king of kings, mighty conqueror, and the only time, the only time I ever saw him run was when he ran to me and took me in his arms, held my head to my, held my head to his chest, and said, my sons, come home again. Lifted my face, dried the tears from my eyes, and with forgiveness in his voice, he said, Son, do you know I still love you? It caught me by surprise when God ran. So life moved on. I was still a police chaplain. I was still a pastor. But I could not get these words I was in prison and you visited me far enough away from me. God would continually bring him up at the most annoying times. So I knew God was calling me to expand ministry. I had no problem people going to jail. I, I think that's where they deserve to be. I still do today. It's just my position has changed. While they're in a place where they have placed themselves, I am more than happy to share Jesus with them. Right? But I filled out the application for the Department of Corrections and shoved it aside and let it sit for five more years. You know, God can be annoying at times. You know what my heart was saying? God is really, I've seen his love in my life, but there are people who don't deserve his love. That's what I was saying. 
and I was comfortable with being a pastor. Even though there are some really weird people in some of our churches. Is that fair? Say amen. Okay. So my question is, does God really love everyone? Is John 3.16 really true? Does God love people even when they mess their lives up and send them to a place like prison or even take their own lives in suicide? Yes, he does. Yes, he does. How many of you would be brave enough to say suicide has affected my family? It's a real thing. I was sitting in my study in the church one day wondering if uh, God loves us enough not to give up on us. That he didn't give up on my brother. And that meant that I was not to give up on people he called me to minister to. That was uh, over 12 years ago. Last 12 years, I've been behind bars. It's an awesome ministry, so pardon me when I say I just got out of prison just to come see you. So after 25 years in law enforcement uh, chaplaincy and 12 years in chaplaincy for the Department of Corrections, you know what I've discovered once again? I have no clue how much God loves people. No clue. And sometimes the things we do to people, when we say suicide is the unpardonable sin, does way more damage than good. Here are three things I want to leave you with. They're really short. They're little bites, and you got it. Because you are just with it, I can tell. If you have loved if you have loved ones lost in a world of addictions and bad choices, do not, do not, do not let Satan trick you into believing that just because you cannot see hope for them, that Jesus Christ has given up on them. God is not a quitter. Also, what you do this week matters. Every day there's an opportunity to plant a seed into life that needs to know Jesus Christ, please do not think that you have to weaponize your Bible to make a difference for God. Just plant a seed. You know what I know? Working behind the bars, Washington State prisons are full of sons and daughters who grew up in churches just like this one, who knew mom and dad were Christians and, they loved, and that they loved Jesus, but never knew mom and dad loved them. That should break your heart. Also, it has been my experience that when I seem to never learn it well enough to have to go back and learn it again, when I'm at the end of my strength to handle a situation, I have always found God on the path running towards me. John 3.16 is true. It's been true in my life. So yes, God really does love everyone. 
from the best Christian to the worst sinner to the person who has suicidal thoughts and everyone in between, including that rascal that just gave you that ticket that was wearing that badge, right? Shake your head this way. So uh, I am going to leave it to Bill Bull to close, but I would like to pray a prayer with you before that takes place. Would you allow me to do that? Father God, we are thankful for your grace and your mercy today. We're thankful that you really do love us. We're thankful that you love us when we're at our lowest, when we're at our highest, when we're the worst behaved, and when we're the best behaved. Would you give us the burden deep down inside us to do two things today, Lord. To remember to pray for our prisoners and our chaplains. And if you nudge us, get involved. And to remember to pray for our first responders, our firefighters, our law enforcement officers who are under tremendous stress. And if you nudge us to get involved, thank you for loving us. We love you back. In Jesus' name, amen.